All right. So back by uh, not only popular request, but such a great guy was going to have him on again anyways. Uh, Rumors of Instinct is back. Uh, Welcome, sir. Thank you so much for coming on again. Thank you. Thank you very much, Gen Z. Um, I always want to call you General Zed, but Generation (laughs) Zed. Uh, No, no problem. Uh, Absolutely. It's an honor to be back. I love your program and I love your channel and what you're doing, your research and your journalism. So this is a definitely, I always say iron sharpens iron and a friend sharpens a friend. And this is definitely an example of that. Cause I, uh, you know, first saw your videos and then I, you know, we did the podcast uh, the first time and I was like, this guy really gets it. He really has like, you know, the drive and the discernment and you have like the real, um, you know, intelligence and, and kind of like a cunning to discern what is real and what's not. And so over the, these conversations, because this is our, I believe, our uh, fourth or fifth real, like, you know, um, collaboration or conversation together on this subject. Right. You know, it, it's been absolutely uh, an honor to kind of be able to speak to your uh, audience and to speak to you and to kind of be able to kind of give the information out. Well, but the anyone, honor. Sorry. Oh, anyone watching here, uh, I have my own. Yes, uh, YouTube, please. The, the Rumors of Instinct podcast YouTube channel, which. Uh, is the YouTube channel for uh, uh, my podcast, which is the, the Rumors of Instinct podcast. And you can check that out on Spotify or anywhere podcasts are free. Um, you know, Apple Podcasts, it has a lot of directories to it. Um, so just, you know, check it out. A lot of episodes, over 300 on the YouTube, uh, 890 now on the podcast. So this is a lot of information that I'm, I'm, you know, trying to put out there, trying to get people to listen to trying Mm. to get people to hear the truth because I believe it's important information. I believe it's information that helps out a lot of people uh, uh, connect the dots and to kind of alleviate a lot of the confusion. And, and uh, you know, I, I, I'm just trying to help. I'm trying to help the community. I'm trying to put that information out there. It's all for free. Exactly. It's all for free. Go check it out. There's a lot of information already covered so exactly if you were watching this and you have a question like hey what's this i wish they you know talked about that check out my channel um i have 300 plus videos on the youtube channel 90 in the podcast so you know i'm I'm trying my best to kind of put everything forward we can believe me the the p we can see that you're 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 definitely putting it out there 100 you could see that the passion is there without a doubt and not just the passion but even the firsthand experience from your own memories too um but let's let's start on earth a little bit so what's what's going on Uh, i think a lot of people are seeing now for example uh in you know the last couple weeks a lot of events have occurred the russians have sent more soldiers to the arctic uh there was an indonesian uh, military submarine that allegedly stopped working it fell to the the bottom of the floor and then it came it hovered back up in three separate pieces it almost looked like it got bitten off rather than what the indonesian military said which was just a you know a freak accident hitting a rock at the bottom so to speak so is there anything about that you can right anything you can you can connect on that and you you can expand into whatever area area you like and then i would also like to include in the list of recent sea disasters the sinking of the sea core um the Seacore was a drilling platform ship uh basically a oil rig that can sail around and it's a temporary smaller version of an oil rig and it sailed out of i believe louisiana and into a into a storm which was not unusual for this type of ship but they are blaming the storm for capsizing it and Hmm. 
out of a crew, I believe, of 20, uh, there are seven missing. I believe six were already found deceased and the rest were rescued, but it's not getting any press in the mainstream media, even wow. though it qualifies as the largest maritime disaster in America since the BP oil spill and the BP oil well explosion. So wow. it's at that level of loss of life and it's not being covered. It's a massive, it was a massive ship with a large crew of, uh, you know, merchant mariners and oil rig uh, professionals. And it was basically capsized and it's at an unusual angle. Um, and they were suggesting a freak rogue wave hit it. And, you know, a, a basically a, a gigantic squall hit it. And it was absolutely abnormal and out of uh, expectation, uh, you know, like just a freak accident. And, but it could also be very much something just flipped it over. Would you, this, what, so so would you say it. these events that are recurring are occurring because these creatures are trying to get to the surface now, or it's just because of social media and the news being so interconnected these days that this has always been occurring? It's just now we it's see it more. Occurring. It's always been occurring. Um, they have their geographic territories and these ship graveyards, the, these concepts of like the Bermuda Triangle or the Devil's Triangle, uh, generally you have to think of the ocean itself as being like you know what you can define as a hurricane there's something inside the storm being driven up due to the churning waters and right. because it, it rises while you're in the hurricane as well people will blame the hurricane at the loss of ships but whole armadas have been lost whole flotillas have been lost whole squadrons have been lost wow. there were, in war or two there were 52 unaccounted for absolutely lost submarines wow off the coast of alaska oh my gosh holy crap That's what That's so uh, they will say treacherous waters right perfectly perfectly relatable example you know like that's just an explanation of it but these were totally unaccount like no one knows why they these ships uh sank the submarine right. uh disaster in 1968 there was a summer war four submarines Nuclear submarines were lost in 1968. Both Soviet Union and uh, NATO troops or sailors. Uh, one was an Israeli submarine in the right. Mediterranean. There was a Russian submarine, uh, two Russian submarines in the North Atlantic, and uh, the the uh, Thresher or the Scorpion. Sorry, the Scorpion was also lost that year, 1968. Now in people might think that was a secret naval battle, but it could also have been. You know, over the course of a year, uh, you know, the movement of these creatures, because if you really look at the records, submarines are super top secret and they are damaged in very strange ways for being as high tech as they are. Uh, collisions with rocks, for example. Right. They have sonar and radar that can map the ocean floor, you know, with LIDAR and, and things like that to a to an inch. Right. Of geographic spatial, you know, distance. So uh, you're saying you're, you're saying the odds of them hitting rock is is almost is absolutely impossible. exactly. There, there there there's no solid explanation for the loss of these submarines, and um, just the the concept of losing a nuclear submarine is is absolutely abnormal because they're extremely, uh, you know, important military technologies with. You know, absolute chain of like you know communications with with many different, uh, you know, you know different stations of commands and things like that. Like, there's no way you would lose a submarine. Like, let's right. just say it. there's <laughs> no way you would lose a submarine. 
it would have to be taken from you, sunk on purpose or destroyed on purpose, you know, intentionally. That's right. that's not something you lose. And also, uh, this starts going into the uh, theories of the hollow earth. Right. In that the submarines are being uh, lost as we try to explore these subterranean levels of the ocean or caverns or uh, mapping out frontiers and, and, and things like that because of the um, sometimes unpredictable pressures. Right. And, and so um, like they have crush depths and things like that. But I also believe that the submarines don't have any crush depths limits anymore, at least not the uh, United States and, and ones because their engineering is so advanced and the materials they use are so advanced. This is, this is legitimately top secret military stuff. Right. Uh, the designs and engineering aspects of modern day nuclear submarines. So this concept that, sorry, this concept that the pressure will, will kill or just dis, um, disassemble a ship. You say um, they, they can surpass that very easily. Yes, now, now they have, they have found out ways to surpass that. They work with technologies too. Like uh, they create like a bubble and and uh, it creates like a cavity in the water and thus they're able to accelerate to hundreds of not of knots uh, Got you. and it, it basically turns a submarine into like a jet fighter does it, this use any alien elements in it oh uh, yes these, these are related to alien technologies exactly this this was loaned to us by the grays at this point the united states is working with gray technology as reverse engineered so allowing us to achieve this specifically the working with meta materials okay so uh, so yeah. just wanted to ask very quickly too what's the because uh, i don't think we covered this in the last episode what's the if you had to take a very general guess what's the relative size of for example um the space within hollow earth that the agarthans have or the inner earth beings have compared to the massive we'll call them kaijus for the sake of the the, the big monsters uh, for oh, the sake so. of this interview View. do the monsters have a lot of swimming space or not not really no no it's absolutely infinite the idea of them um no it's not it's not like an issue of space there it's an issue of of basically exploring a frontier where these things are native fauna they are gotcha. native uh marine biology uh, this is all a part of the true ecology of earth a, a greater sense of nature and environment where the scale of life is not limited um, by what we would think of modern day standards. Like I always hear the the square rule law or something the the square um, something where it's like the size of a creature basically diminishes its life functions, like it becomes harder to exist. That's absolutely preposterous. Um, mm. These creatures exist in titanic scales, sometimes miles, miles and miles by our measurements, and it's like. That's what I'm saying. There's only so much you can fucking do if you run into a turtle that is two or three miles wide and it's just basically swatting. It just swats you down. It's not like what people think where these things have like pitched battles or they chase. It's seemingly uh, just a sense of uh, territory at the most, like as if they're, they're curious and they're just destructive, you know, by their sense of scale and strength. But we are dealing with a type of marine biology. And, you know, just as if, though, you encountered a fish that was, and some of these are just fish, that was super large, and it decides to eat you. Mm. You know, if you're in a 300-foot submarine, um, your best bet is to outrun it. 
if you're not armed to kill it because you can see it on your sonar and everything but at the same time they're capable of great what we consider speeds but it's just a scaled relativity right you know it doesn't mean yeah. they're a mile long they can achieve speeds of thousands of miles per hour in our terms and wow. in short, that's what i'm saying in short bursts that the idea of strength becomes like not an issue of your say for example in titanium submarine because it's the size of a fucking mountain and it's just going to crush down on you because it's flipper weighs like a thousand tons right now are these are are these sorry are these beings that can communicate with governments uh intelligently or not really these are no not really no these these are absolutely uh the wild fauna of the what we would consider the hollow earth Uh, like i said the monarch movies the series and legendary series of the monster universe the like monarch series is what i call it because it's about monarch right and the best ones are monarch uh fully disclose um the ideas of these creatures being both known, researched, and covered up by the same government entity, this shadowy comp- uh, company of uh, technologists and international scientists that like study the hollow earth, specifically um, the fact that this was known about since World War II, because in a lot right. of cases, they were encountered in the South Pacific. They were encountered um, in the deep Pacific or Mariana Trench area that's in the South Pacific off the right. coast of Asia. This was known by the local population as these, these sea monsters, these sea dragons. But sea monsters have been known since men started sailing. That's absolutely a reality if you are a real career sailor. Mm. And this is something that you can always say that if it didn't happen to you, you don't believe it. But just right. like USO sightings are an absolute reality to the Navy. Yeah, every, every fucking real Navy commander understands and knows and has been briefed and reported on seeing USOs. That gotcha. is an absolute reality. Like I said, it's in official logs. It's on the History Channel. The the, the Eisenhower, the first nuclear aircraft carrier, was basically surrounded and, and followed by USOs. Admiral Byrd, uh, the 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 Taiping with the submarine actually recording the UFO, USOs uh, entering and exiting. Um, you have Shag Harbor, where U.S. Navy divers were sent to locate a crashed UFO, a USO. Um, you know, like this is absolutely reality. The Mediterranean with the different navies there, Italian Navy, the French Navy, uh, the Spanish Navy. Uh, also, they, the, the humanoid looking underwater beings, too, that uh, oh yeah, are allegedly encountered like by they, call. Right, so every, right. Everyone knows USOs are absolute reality that's absolutely true now those beings can communicate those beings do communicate but like i said they are very see this is it's they're not hollow earth beings those would be underwater you know marine terrestrials basically are are they benevolent are they negatively in uh, negative intent towards humans what would you say based on your memories they're extremely territorial but they have the right to be are they benevolent to uh humanity sometimes and sometimes not right okay they are they are independent and they have no uh, real respect for human authority and at this point they do obviously this is their terrain they have evolved to it but we have underwater cities as well and they allow us to live in certain places now i said the ocean's a big place it is like if we were encountering native americans again sometimes things are good 
Sometimes things are bad. When things are bad, this is kind of their home turf. Shit, you know, sometimes they slaughter a city of underwater colonists and miners. And we really don't know what we did wrong. They'll communicate with us. We'll try to fix it. At the same time, we are just now starting to live in the uh, ocean, exploring the ocean floor. And they're not going to really uh, exactly stop us because it is our planet as well. But it's not our domain. It's extremely difficult to explore the ocean floor. It's easier to go to space. And as I said, this is part of the secret space program because a lot of the technology that we actually get and gather from space, including metamaterials like uh, different kinds of elements and things which help out build the submarines that can go into these uh, spaces and create the engines that become the reactors that that propel the ships. Um, But it's basically been a thing since the, the, the War II era. U-boats were able to explore because they were using relic maps from Viking sailors who originally had went into the hollow earth is what's created Agartha. And this is where it kind of gets to, yes, you can use the oceans to get to the hollow earth because they're like waterfalls, but the way gravity works is that you can actually, and I know it sounds preposterous, but if you're sailing a ship, you can go around the horizon at some point and actually still be oriented up because the way gravity works, it's actually kind of a magnetism that's located in uh, dirt, but it works on carbon. Mm. And so it's a very strange reality. But like I said, it's it's a very odd thing that this is actually part of sailor lore, where a ship really can just go upside into the water and be sailing on the bottom of the ocean in a gotcha. pocket. Right, right. Pocket. And so, like I said, there. They showed this in the, the Godzilla versus Kong movie where they go and then they get inverted. <coughs> right. Or Black Panther, where they go into the, the, the hole, but then they come right side up. Yes. Yes. And it, the difficulty is creating a ship that can withstand that. That, that okay. reorientation and the difference of pressures. And sometimes like, like the old technology really couldn't do it. Although you can uh, find places where it's easier to do it than places where it's not. It's like going into a whirlpool or going into like rapids where there are some rapids where you can safely navigate, you know, but some other rapids, which are extremely treacherous because they have, let's say, a lot of uh, debris, like, you know, debris rocks, uh, thin terrains. Like I say, it's, <laughs> it's the danger of cave diving. You know, but in a submarine. Now, do they use uh, the UF? Do they use circular disc craft uh, for these to get through these uh, a little um, bumps in the road, if you will, or do they use the super advanced submarines? Well, we use submarines, but the Greys also do uh, go down there. The Greys go everywhere. The Greys have technology that can that can do this exactly. The Greys are um, everywhere, and they work for everyone, and so mm. they're as likely to see a gray under the water as you are to see a gray anywhere like exactly exactly it's it's one of those things where they just kind of go where because like they're an independent faction too and they're neutral and right. they sometimes work with these marine terrestrials which like i said this goes into the idea of ultra terrestrials there are other species that are equally as intelligent as humans that live on the earth and are actually contacting extraterrestrials equally as we are because they're contacting the entire earth. Right. We're just a piece of the puzzle. And like I said, we're very egocentric and culturally relativistic, but it's actually kind of 
made that way because it's for our own good ignorance is bliss in their right. opinion and we don't really have to stress out about the atlanteans you mm. know or, or whatever that lives in the ocean uh the marine terrestrials exactly like whatever what name you want to call them these basically aquatically adapted humans because they right. are human right but they're aquatically adapted to the point that they are a separate species now including um different activations of genetic sequences different activations of proteins and their genetic code different you know a number of chromosomes uh, uh, sorry via via genetic experimentation or naturally no i think that they were actually artificial they were created like mankind was uh separated from a common ancestor by the orion draco they have formed their own society like we have and we are as alien to them as we are alien to any other species although exactly well there's a lot of similarities they have developed their own culture completely under under the ocean on the ocean floor and uh that's their framework and perspective of existence. Exactly. They, they think we are as fantastical to them as they are fantastical to us. Gotcha. And, you know, they, they actually don't look very human anymore. Uh, it's not like um, Jason Momoa just hanging out, diving around. Right. No, they are like fishmen. Like they are like deep ones. They are like the uh, shape of water. We had a okay. really good, the uh, Abe Sapien. Those right. are actual things. Like that, that's full on disclosure. They look like that. They're hairless. They have gills, uh, webbed feet, webbed toes, but they're bipedal. They have five fingers, five toes. They right. have the joint structure, it, ratios of hips, spine, the shoulder, back. They're more, exactly. If an alien would be like, hey, you guys basically look identical. Like, it's hard. Like, no, they would kind of know, you know, but yeah. to, a, to, a, to a real alien, like a, like a non humanoid alien, we are basically the same with different, um, uh, different details now do any of them go into space not just with humans but maybe you know secret space program or galactic no, federation or yes. or is they or or do they or do they have the alliance but they prefer to stay where they are in the water they they like their territory that's it no they haven't they're in the earth alliance so the earth alliance the blue sphere alliance is the kind of co confederation that we're in solar warden is mostly human but they are a part of it um many ultra terrestrials on earth i mostly all of them are either they send elected representatives because they're not the entirety of their population but they are involved with it like i said they are dealing with the grays they are you know getting technology as we are they are as advanced as we are they are dealing with the ashtar high command psychically like we are right uh, they are they are volunteering their technology manpower and you know infrastructure as well as developing their society to get ready for it because like i said this is all a root uh system so all these ultra terrestrials are dealing with having to be free from orion draco control as well as how to live in peace and harmony with ourselves because like, that's what's being enforced is that the earth alliance has to keep it all like um copacetic and peaceful and right. because it's like the pax ashtar um uh, uh, sharon where it's like the peace earth will have be peaceful there will be peace on earth no matter what they have to do to get it now this is going to be an infinitely harder hurdle it's not just making people live together it's making people accept other ultra terrestrial species that cohabitate on the earth to create a multi-species society like i said this is like uh men in black level where yes these higher entities 
like the, the men in black uh, monarch or whatever kind of secret shadowy government uh, name you want to give it, the NWO, the New World Order, the, the Atlantis Rising government, they know, they know that there's a multi-species world. Right, right. right. They don't want us to know yet because they don't think we could handle it. Is it still the, the, the concern of mass panic? Yes, it's the concern of mass panic. Yeah, exactly. Because um, imagine the panic that was that was tested or proven when uh, the Cold War occurred. If you would have a rival tribe of human beings with nuclear weapons and it threw the world into a, sp- a nihilistic spin, like right. basically a global depression yeah. that was called the Cold War. Imagine how you'd feel if there was a non-human right. <laughs> uh, species with nuclear weapons on the bottom of the ocean who theoretically could just deploy their nuclear weapons and cause tidal waves and wipe out every single society on Earth. They're not going to do it, but they can. And that's the thing. You That's the whole idea is that you have to live in uh, peace and respect with the nation, uh, with other species. And mm. we, we can barely do that with other nations and it's and it, you would say, well, that's just because of our leaders. And you have to think the individual citizen, the individual person internalizes those prejudices and those beliefs. And will right. exactly you don't need to teach someone how to be an American. Oddly, they just do it. Yeah, I, I, I see what you're saying. Russian. They just are. As right. I, it's because the, the, the environment so all the tribalism and territory if you really break it down and being a student of human nature people from other towns don't get along people from other neighborhoods don't get along that's what i'm saying like if you really think of the average person yeah. they'll shoot each other because they're from different neighborhoods yes you let alone if another species from another galaxy is is coming exactly right that's yes like, like, you don't have to make a gang the gangs will just make themselves right and that's what they're saying <laughs> is that as long as we keep doing that the general population is not worth try uh, try tribalism is the term i think exactly that that we are i guess i showed a picture on my instagram um, where the tribals are shooting arrows at a drone when they first see the drone. And I was like, that, that's human nature. That's exactly what they're trying to battle against. And that's what the Orion Draco uh, had us at, was such a state of paranoia and xenophobia. Right. That's the thing, like, you really don't get it. That most, most of the times when uh, tribes meet their first modern person, they kind of attack them. And they, they, they do not accept them. It's not like they live in peace and harmony with the universe. They are murderers and they don't feel remorse or mercy. They are protecting their tribe and they're protecting their families. Right. And, but the person is not a threat to them because that perceived paranoia is what we would call, um, you know, savagery. And, and that's right. exactly what it is. But now it's been kind of whitewashed where it's like, you know, though that's a noble spirit. Like a Sentinel Island off India. Right. If you if you are an outsider and go to that forbidden island, the natives will kill you and they don't feel bad about it. Actually, like, just, like, sorry, just that just that you bring this up. I just wanted to ask. There is allegedly a phantom island. I'm sure there's many of them, but one of them called High Brazil or High Brasil, uh, 200 meters or miles, sorry, off the, the west coast of Ireland. These phantom islands that seem to occur every X amount of years, every six years, seven years, five years, whatever. 
are these ultra terrestrials? Are these um, are these uh, more on the side of esotericism? Are these beings that uh, interdimensional beings that don't have a physical body to manifest? And even the island itself, because it's on maps and it's been recorded as early as the 1300s. So what's what's going on there, would you say? I know every story, there's different explanations for the different mystery islands and Phantom Islands. For the high Brazil, the specific case with that, in my opinion of it, is, okay, so human beings can attain a sense of magic, what, what would be known as magic. It's called um, um, Arthur C. Clarke level technology. Okay. Where technology is at a sufficient level that it's akin to magic, right? Okay. It's indistinguishable from the common man is something that you would know as magic. This is all high technology. Right. Because the Orion Draco left, were destroyed, their empire, you know, broken, they had to force the hollow earth. Some technology was still there. And if you look at the history books, obviously when people were rebuilding society, some people found and operated this technology. Right. Now, one of them may be... Uh, what you would know as wizards, people who would dedicate their life to finding out and deciphering ancient technology that would be interpreted by the common man as a magical item. Like what we know as wands were actually vril rods and vril rods can control and operate vril, thus making things like uh, you just point it and it makes a concussive force that can knock a person out basically, or it can you know, knock down a wall and so there you get the idea of like wizard battles because you could just point the wand at you and then knock you down. Is this similar to some of the sightings of alleged uh, Nordic aliens, the ones that one of the species that look like yeah. us walking around with these pen-like wands? Yeah, they're, they're like pins. Exactly. That's the right. idea of a, a wand. It was like a pin. And right. now each, what the common man would say, he picked up the pin and then like lightning shot out of the pin. Right. He, he must be satanic or aligned with the devil or something. And right. eventually, but that was like Merlin. Merlin had these technologies, stuff like that. And yes, they developed eccentricities and weird cultures and behaviors around them. Like I said, tribal people. But right. at, the, at the same time, this was a hybrid of people becoming intelligent and learning the mastery technologies. High Brazil is often reported as being the home to one of these men, a man who wears black and he raises giant rabbits to eat on this island. And he's like, like he's a planeswalker if you kind of play uh, magic or D&D. Just a wizard with the power to actually cross dimensions to extend his lifespan to what we would know as immortality but this to, can all sorry uh, this this can all be adapted within technology that we that yeah, we are technology. familiar Right. It so this would be classified as we could argue um, just for the sake of the way that we as humans perceive yeah. like the English language, we can argue direct energy weapons. This would be that. Yes. No, exactly. That's okay. what it, whatever name you want to put it is like, scientifically, you can engineer the idea of saying like, oh, this is electromagnetic uh, wireless cap uh, capacitation with uh, kinetic and piezoelectric energy. Yes, yeah, right. so you can say if you want to say it, layman's terms. It's Arthur C. Clarke technology. It is technology that would be, it's hard to discern what is the actual operating mechanism. Like say, uh, they have solid state computer chips nowadays, which right. is just a solid state of metal that electricity runs through it. And thus somehow uh, it's like a prism and it spreads to its appropriate operations. So right. no longer do you need it to follow a circuit or wireless technology. 
no longer do I have to have this phone attached to any wire. Does this, sorry, Mike, I'm sorry for the interruption, but I, it's just really grilling my mind here. Is this related to some of the attempted reverse engineering of some of the holographic technology where it's been some whistleblowers have reported that when the symbols are placed in a certain way with a certain frequency, a certain um, frequency being emitted within it, it's like the symbols come to life and already know what to do. Yeah, they get, okay, so basically okay. Hybridville was a Stargate. Um, that's okay. another way of putting it. Okay. So Hybridville was a Stargate. And so that's why he has the ability to cross over. And he's using the island itself like a spaceship to do so. Got and it's you. his home base. And he's got it protected. This wizard had it protected either through runics or uh, what you'd call hyper sigils or like, he's like electromagnetic um, control of a force field. And exactly, he's, a, he's able to literally either go into the ocean or right. go into what we would know as space on this island. And that is encountered sometimes and known about in the secret space program where there are still a living community of these wizards, these ancient occultic magicians who we still encounter to this present day and their understanding and mastery of this technology and thus their, their art form and they don't reveal their secrets. Is but sorry, like, they're 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 ancient humans, or what species yeah, would you? Okay, no, okay. they're ancient humans. But you, this is what I'm saying. So strangely enough, in Area 51, sometimes a wizard will appear. In in what in what sense? Because there have been some photographs of some humanoid-looking beings hovering above Area 51 site. Exactly. No, no, a wizard will appear, and the humanoid sightings in Mexico. Right. Uh, the witch flying in Mexico, flying humanoids. Those yeah. are what you would call exactly used by these R.C. Clark technologists. And, and, and so they, they appear on purpose or no? They, they do. They do exist. Okay. Yeah, they, they do appear on purpose. They have their own motivations, their own agenda. Exactly. These are people who uh, survived and saw, you know, the King Arthur Kurtz, Kurtz yeah. Medieval Age. Um, who's that fucking guy? Uh, uh, oh, Saint Germain. Okay. Yep. Yep. Saint Germain. He's one of them. He shows. That's what I'm saying. They show up a lot. Like during the signing of the Constitution, he showed up. They had locked the doors until they had got the paperwork done. He just showed up, and he had like you know he has rings. And like I said, this is technology that you would think are rings, but they're not. They're like the the in power crystals or whatever, the power stones and the the uh, infinity for- gauntlet. That's what I mean. He's got a fucking infinity gauntlet. But you think he's just like pimping out with rings and he's St. Germain. He's been alive for like 3000 years and he's been around in different cultures like a Highlander. Those things are real. Like I said, sometimes they just uh, they show up. They can either help out or not. They are real, though. Is that sometimes they, they just kind of show up like it's like like Highlanders who have been around for generations. They have their own agendas. They have their own uh, motivations. But, but they come from they another dimension. Know. No, they're from here. They're from our history. As I said, they've acquired technology that ah, people, okay. um, they, they've acquired it for themselves. And they hoard it. And that's, that's why they're interested in us because we're reverse tech, uh, engineering stuff. So sometimes they'll help out either to kind of fulfill their own <laughs> quotas of stuff. Say, for example, they want a sire or an apprentice to, to follow their craft. This is like, this right. is extremely odd. Uh, but you would find like they want, to just get an apprentice and so for the exchange of say a human a male child so they can teach they will uh say for example uh, offer their services stephen king's atlantis uh tears of atlantis or heart of atlantis is, yeah. is kind of about that 
where sometimes a wizard will show up. And they said this one, like Randall Flagg is his antagonist, but that's absolutely the case in Randall Flagg. He's a kind of wandering nomad around time and space. And he's a human who's just acquired an extreme um, a level of enlightenment and awareness of like say the multiverse, the idea, powers of meditation, the, the technology that we consider these magical devices. Uh, mm. Randall Flagg in the Dark Tower, for example, they, they show that his magic is actually a metal cap that he wears yeah. underneath his hat. But, so right. he'd just be like, but he has a computer underneath his hat that can actually give him the abilities that he has. Right. But to the common man, he's just a dude who walks around. Exactly, he's the walking man. And it's like he's this planes drifter. That's what they call him, planes walkers, the walking man. Uh, and that's why even Stephen King writes about the multiverse and the Dark Tower uh, uh, stories because the Dark Tower series is a kind of they say kind of disclosure for the realities that we're in. Just you curious, can, Mike, what do these technologies that these ancient humans have, these wizards, if you will, do these technologies are they um, would you equate them to the same level of power or capabilities as, for example, what the Venusians have or no? No, it is exactly no, no, not so much, they're not as powerful as them, um, but it is technology on parity with the venusians the venusians though are absolutely 100 percent uh the same where it comes to the ideas that their technology is like magic their their physical abilities are different and their psychic abilities are much less even though they are very adept at psychic abilities compared to esp and telekinesis and things compared to the average human they pale in comparison with the Venusian psychically. Psychically, mm. on the astral realm, a Venusian is a much higher of a di dimensional being than we are. Uh, like I said, we can barely be able to enter the fourth dimension, which is, like I said before, the vision to be able to visualize and physically see the future as an extension of the self so that you can actually change the course of the future right or, uh change the course of the past because like right. I said, they can look in one direction and see your future they can look in the other direction and see your past right they can then be able to know everything about us they see us like a serpentine form because in their world they see themselves the same where they see your birth your actual conception your first cell and as you grow you extend out in one continuous form Right. And their skill is that if they can see long and hard, uh, concentrate far enough, they can see from where you were conceived and you're like, and, and where you're going to die. They know literally, and we can't. So they know that we can't change our fates. Right. But they can see themselves and they've already existed for like that for a long time. That's their existential burden is that every single Venusian can see their own death and see their birth anytime they want. Mm, and they are okay. simply choosing which moment to exist in now a i see so they're look, sorry they're looking so just to clarify they're looking at a big timeline so to speak and they're just picking yeah. the point they want to enter exactly and so okay. the, to them they are just already living in these moments uh, every moment's already lived for them they're just simply choosing to exist in either reality so that's they're immortal but they don't exist in in they only exist in their natural timeline but they never really have to experience death okay right right but in this they have extreme depth of consciousness and awareness and like they understand things on a philosophical level to an extreme degree right you okay. know, I think like philosophically metaphysically 
they, the Wizards may be able to approach them and walk with them, and they might get some kind of respect just right. because he's, like, he's an extremely advanced version of a, like a human. But right. the Astro High Command is uh, he's like the the Venusians. They Astro High Command is the military side of it, so it's weaponized in their aspect, like a martial side. It's kind of like a martial art in their way. But they are like a psychic level, like um, um, a good way to understand it is like x-men level psychic level shit like where it's like uh you know professor x gene gray and like right. they have a dark phoenix and their actual main problem is the reason why they don't intervene and the reason why they're not super warlike is because if they indulge too much in violence and in in and um carnage they can lose control and become kind of overwhelmed that they, the dark phoenix style like they can become overwhelmed with an uncontrollable destructive force that this is not like a thing where humans when you see a venusian they're always on their best behavior because they kind of are seeing us the same way we see animals and an animal is not like aware of its fate but they like i say a man is not aware of his fate the right. way a venusian is aware of a man's fate because they can literally see the moment that you're going to die now and just curious bro, sorry any of these technologies or these um, very advanced forms of energy that we, that we're discussing here, has any of it been used? Like, for example, you gave uh, the example of how sometimes they'll appear at Area 51 and, and offer their assistance and things like this. Uh, have any of these energies been uh, applied to uh, weapons that are keeping these kaiju down or no? It's just okay. tradition. Okay. The kaiju, the kaiju are not invincible, but they are at a scale that's difficult to kind of fathom and ration at. But could a could a nuke right take a nuke could take them out a, or no? A, a, an appropriately aimed nuke, yes. They're not invincible, like I said, but they would also be barraged. And say, for example, an atomic torpedo or a nuclear torpedo, mm. those are actual technologies. You're right. And, and a, a submarine can bring a lot of payload. They also can use boomers if, say, for example, they surface and then they can pop up and use their missiles. Um, exactly. Like a barrage of nuclear missiles is much more effective than one nuclear missile. And that's why it wouldn't be one nuclear missile. It would be a barrage of nuclear missiles. I kind of always laugh when thinking about the scale of Godzilla, because it's not very large compared to these real life ones. Uh, Godzilla is only like a thousand feet tall. It's not very, it's like, it's less than a quarter mile. It's not like huge. What it's would you huge. put these, what would you put these ones at a couple miles? couple miles they said one was actually uh thawed out of an iceberg in antarctica an ice shelf it was thawed out and filmed going into the ocean by national geographic it was the size of manhattan whoa yes it was a black um like basically uh whale looking um kaiju that was thawed out of antarctica because a lot of them were frozen in antarctica and it thawed out and it was the size of manhattan now wow that's what i was saying it's not as if though these kaiju don't range the sizes from just extraordinarily large common animals, right? Uh, which a lot of them are derivatives of. They're extraordinarily large common animals mutated by the radiation down there. And so you see gigantic sharks, you see gigantic octopuses, crustaceans, um, arthropods, you know, everything from starfish to jellyfish of titanic proportions. But then you see the specially evolved animals that you would consider, like, for example, uh, your, your more uh, dangerous sea monster types, like your actual uh, chronosaurs, mosasaurs, things like that. Like, you know, your aggressive, territorial, active, mm. uh, you know, active predators yeah. that would territorially attack, um, you know, a ship. 
generally though it is the same as any marine environment where these animals are actually kind of rare and few and far between so say thousands of nautical square miles and you can safely sail for years decades without seeing one and then one day there will be one wow one day there will be one because they're migrating are there um they're they have hibernation cycles are they right. mating and thus active only when they're mating because they're seeking mates and, and so re- sorry right. relative to agartha and all that so you're not saying it's like you know you have the surface of the earth you got a lower level than a lower level you're saying there's little concaves little ways in and out and and it's this is absolutely where- labyrinthian okay. and it's absolutely it's like no there are layers and, and there are layers that you can understand as layers <clears throat> but we're talking sorry about what i'm trying to what i'm trying mile. to what i'm trying to ask is yeah. that the la- there are layers but they're very scattered they're not like cleanly shaped layers no well i mean yes and they're not like they're caverns and pocket right. okay but we're dealing over thousands and thousands of miles sorry the volume of the earth is trillions of times the, the surface area are the usable volume right now currently they only tell you we can dig 12 kilometers under the earth right we're talking about the crust into the second like major cavern system where it's mostly cavernous right several hundred miles wow okay so to get to the core of the earth is actually more difficult because of the hostile environments the pressures the radiation the magma uh the pockets just the the sheer difficulty of digging into the the rock and and iron and and nickel i like you know nickel iron composites this isn't soil this isn't just a rock it's not granite these are actual like diamonds and that make up layers entire crusts of like you know um strata of diamonds and and like you know rare earth metals like uranium plutonium um that's what i'm saying like okay so there are over 2 billion pounds of iron pulled every year. And we have enough supply to pull that amount of iron for like a million years. Wow. A billion years. It's like not even, so we have trillions and trillions of uh, cubic square miles of crust and mantle on the earth. The earth is gigantic. Don't believe Mm. the solar system pictures. Another thing about the secret space program. This is why it all relates because the true geography of the world don't believe the solar system pictures the earth is one of the largest planets in the solar system it's the size of what we think jupiter is it's wow. absolutely in all conceivable ways an infinite amount of area so are, you, are you saying every every planet's size is we are being deceived or just some planets in the solar system just some planets especially earth that's like okay. everything other than that actually is quite small compared to earth no, like actually like the the moon only has, I think, 4% of the density of Earth. Right. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. That it's it's basically um, you know, the Earth is super dense, super solid, and it's designed like a Pythagorean snowflake where you have a finite perimeter, right. but an infinite amount of area inside that can be explored as long as you get incrementally down to scale, but at the same time, the scale originates at a much larger than people imagine like there is a cavern in antarctica the size of texas a cavern the size of texas that if you were on the slowest point of the cavern you could not see the roof of the cavern because it is has its own clouds 
and thus wow. has its own weather. Thus, it has its own rainstorms and vegetation and fauna growing in it, and the temperature is regulated by uh, a underwater river the size of the Mississippi, and it's uh, as wide as the Mississippi, and it, 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 the water is 75 degrees due to thermal flows. Mm. Wow. That's where, where Agartha is. Agartha is in one of these caverns um, in, in Antarctica. Would you say this is similar to the now I understand that this is a, a technology what I'm about to explain, but there's allegedly some type of extremely advanced technology where on a UF on an alien UFO craft, for example, the inside is actually larger than what you see uh, on the if you were standing outside looking at it. Would this be within that realm or not? Uh, not exactly. No, absolutely the case um, there. That's yeah, exactly. Um, the infinite area idea of a finite perimeter the tartar uh was it the tartarus from uh doctor who right the the belt the police box right. that concept is real that is a real concept that you can create and engineer that it's extremely advanced now mankind can't really do that but the idea is absolutely reality because it's in the vidas as the scale that these extra dimensional beings literally work in is that it's to our 3D senses a finite area. Gotcha. To our 3D senses, the world is a globe. Right. With the curve and everything. To our 3D senses, our reality is very small. Mm. Right? Right. And we think we are very large. Yeah. But to an actual understanding of reality, it's like microscopic scale. And that's the thing. Like, if you actually think about microscopic entities, your body is a infinite amount of area. Right. That's what I'm like in your senses, you think you have a finite and you understand your dimensions. Right. There are microscopic bacterium and life forms like mites that live on your face that your body is an infinite amount of area to explore. And I see what you're saying because it just keeps getting right. Sorry, you're just going more and more. No, if one of these surface mites that lived like on my eyebrow would make a trek into my digestive system, it would be akin to saying uh, you went to the hollow earth. I understand. I, I the see. Yes. The scale of it is to try to tell people that underneath the surface of your world, there's an actual network of ecologies that are as essential to the uh, fundamental makeup of where you live as your digestive tract is to your entire corpus. And your your mites are as to scale as an individual person. That sounds right. absurd, but that's absolutely the humbling truth. I but no, I I, I subscribe to that absolutely because it, it it makes perfect sense. I mean, on a public level, yeah. yeah. Well, I always kind of uh, I don't cringe, but like it's always one of those things where people talk about giants, and I'm like, like I said, Godzilla is not a very large creature compared to the scales that I am talking about because. Like I said, if you talk about giant aliens, and you're like, that's nine to 12 feet tall. And I'm like, a Chihuahua and a German Shepherd have a greater size disparity and proportion disparity than a human and um, a Venusian. And so it would be like a dog and a slightly bigger dog. And you don't right. think like, like a dog and a slightly bigger version of that dog. Right. And you'd be like, oh, that was a giant. And you're like, no, it's just like exactly. It's just a slightly bigger version of the same thing. Um, a Great yeah. Dane versus a Chihuahua, for example, they're both dogs. Chromosomally, mm. they're the same. Uh, they're both dogs. They can interbreed. 
Right. But one is literally like 30 times bigger than the other and that's one. I think. Yeah. And that's, that's how the Orion Draco made humans in the same size disparity as we have made dogs. And you're like, yeah, a bull mastiff is like 300 pounds. A teacup poodle is like you know, less than a pound. But right. they're the same species. It's well, just like clever uh, genetic engineering and animal husbandry to a large exactly to a large scale that you basically have made them seemingly two different creatures because right. of the size. Right. That's the thing. Like if you say like, well, that giant was sixty feet tall. A Great Dane is like the same ratio. Yeah. I think that's a great, I think you, that's a fantastic example of how to perceive it. It's like thinking for, you know, if there are so many different types of fish, different types of dogs, different sizes, why wouldn't there be for humans, right? Or for humanoids in general? Um, I did want to jump into the, uh, the Galactic Federation side of things. What do you see relative to uh, what's been going on with real world events? What do you see happening? For example, the Indonesian submarine, is there any Galactic Federation interference there? Or is this just kind kind of the Venusian sort of overseeing us and making sure we're okay. No, what you see with the Indonesians and what you see with our Seacore disaster, this is like the secret space program interferes with our daily world and our, in our regular life, even though right. we're not made aware of it. I say, for example, I don't think Indonesia is really made aware of it. Yes. Their higher echelon government is, but mm. to be honest, those submariners probably weren't. They exactly the, the, the lower level person doesn't have a need to know. Right. It's like maybe right. the captain knew that's something and they were just going to go check it out. Uh, but maybe the higher command knew, but not them, like not the average sailor. What's eerie is that they were filmed singing a song saying goodbye um, before they, they sank. So I do actually believe they had a premonition of the danger and the captain had made them record an audio, like an actual song in which they were singing goodbye to their families. Very I interesting. I thought that was very strange. Yeah, very interesting. Um, but I believe that was, like I said, this is not a new story. What you saw with the kaiju sinking ships, that happens. Uh, there are many ships that go missing. There's, there's a lot of loss of life. There are a lot of oil rigs that have disasters. Um, it, they, are, they are actually involved in a lot of that seemingly random disaster type stuff. They are like a natural disaster in themselves. They, they also... Um, uh, because we are attacking them, you see a lot in the news stuff like seismic activity, uh, war games, things like that. So if you want to see in the daily day news yeah. where these things are, look up disasters and look up military operations such as war games, um, especially things like the militarization of the Arctic. Like you said, the Russians are militarizing the Arctic, uh, helping to secure patrolways maritime ways as the ice flows are sinking right and you will start seeing ships either being lost or uh more and more intense war games occurring in the arctic as they are actually uh either destroying it basically whenever they get a chance they will destroy these creatures but i said like so an understandable way of how to do this is they're going up there right glaciers are melting one of them thaws out or it's migration season or mating season, and one of them is coming to shore right. to lay its eggs on land. Um, mm. And so when it comes on shore, it's just going to be a big fucking deal. So they're going to try to shoot it before it comes to shore. They're going to use long-range um, anti-ship missiles. They're going to use long-range air-to-ship missiles, air-to-surface missiles. Uh, the United States would use attack helicopters, 
and just fire across the horizon. So they would um, not, that, sorry, they would not bring the Russians or the Americans. They would not bring out any of their, um, their disc shaped or try TR three B's or anything like this or no. No, actually, um, what they would say, they would have spotted obviously. And if they needed to, they would use them. Um, but routinely they will use the conventional weapons they have. Right. They'll use, like, this is an odd system to kind of think is that we will use helicopters against extraterrestrials that we find or other extraterrestrials that we find uh in combat like the el duce war they used helicopters they used the osprey that was the first use of the osprey these aren't bad technologies that we have we might consider them conventional but within the physical world and atmosphere that we use them in, they, they're they very work good. they're, yeah, they they're work, very yeah. good yeah and okay. like i said like we've shot down ufos before just because you have a flying disc does not mean a a you know sparrow missile sidewinder missile won't you know like smash into your ass of course because yeah. you have anti-laser weapons and we're fighting with like an exploding rock right That's right I, like there's an odd paradox of understanding because they really it's like a gray alien um is 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 not like it's not a spiritual being so he's a physical entirely physical being and I said, those are the ones that we typically are getting into scraps and skirmishes with. Sometimes Orion, like I said, we have fought off an Orion Draco invasion of Antarctica. That was very strange, but we managed to do it. And But there was intervention by other extraterrestrials then. But then that was when the Astro High Command was actually helping us out. And we had, um, you have to also think, this is a multi-species effort. So whenever they do show up, they can send any number of agents, any number of other species to right. collaborate with us. But no, if we are defending ourselves, and this is, like I said, this is something that is an internal matter within our society because we want to keep it secret. The yeah, I was going to actually understand why we want to do that. Sorry, like, Mike, I was going to, I was going to ask, I was going to ask you, I know the Ashtar doesn't care. Uh, what, yeah. what are the odds that one of these creatures ever ends up coming to the surface long enough for say, for example, I don't know, a, a news outlet to pick up some type of uh, footage well, from a satellite or something. Interesting. You should say that they are captured on satellite photography all the time. That's how we know they exist. They're captured on satellite photography. They have been filmed by, for example, national geographic, uh, they filmed that one intentionally. They are known by scientists. Scientists will go and research them if they're hibernating and things like that. Like I said, it's, it's very monarch level. Now, if an outlet, a third party source investigated it, um, like I said, they, they can really suppress information if they want. And a lot of these things occur in the middle of very low populated areas. So unless an, like a Lucian Islander, like a, less, like a, like a Eskimo had a, a cell phone and yeah. a camera and actually recorded it yeah it'd be very hard for someone not in the i'm saying this this happened actually in russia in 2000 and it's getting more common you're right as time goes on more evidence will surface but evidence does exist insiders right. have taken photographs insiders have taken video yeah. monarch was a way to cut the uh uh make the spin there so a lot of this footage has actually been used in monarch monarch for in those movies the year King Kong in 2017 has a title sequence in uh, the beginning of the movie where they show a bunch of photography and they showed one off Virginia, off Virginia Beach, where a giant kaiju was sitting there close to the shore. And it's this very odd still like photograph. And that is actually real uh, footage, like I said, taken from above a recon thing to show that this kaiju was off the coast of Virginia. No, they do get close, and uh, they, they don't anymore. We keep them very far away now. Like we, We've gotten really good at it. But there is video evidence uh, from civilians. In Russia in 2018, 
one of them actually made landfall and was able to push its way in uh, through the taiga close enough to an actual city. That you're, sorry, you're referring to you're referring to the Siberian taiga. Yes. Okay. This was a, okay. this was a nuclear incident in 2018 that happened at a place where there it's a, basically a naval yard, and, and they test a lot of uh, top secret naval weapons right. there. Now, ostensibly, they were testing a nuclear missile or a nuclear torpedo, and mm. the thing detonated, and a bunch of scientists were killed, and the town suffered fallout and radiation exposure and was evacuated. Yes. And then Americans yeah. were caught trying to go in there and spy on them. They actually got arrested. No, it's on the news. You can look it up. Yeah. That's oh, yes, yes. It. This absolutely, yeah. And so uh, people were saying, well, that's proof that they're trying a uh, nuclear weapons program again. What happened, and this and this was also in conjunction with a wildfire, and the wildfire, it has a lot of footage on the internet. Uh, you can look it up in LiveLeak and things. The Russian wildfire, it was the worst wildfire in Russian history in 2018. That was the year the world literally was burning. Uh, 2018 had the Australian wildfires, the California wildfires. Yeah. Now, what they'll do, the conventional powers to be, they will light forests on fire to make a smoke screen and to give an excuse to evacuate the population even if it's from a decent distance away they'll still do it in case well that's what i say if you lived in the mountain community in the forest and one right. of these things is native to the forest and walking around the mountains they'll light the forest on fire evacuate the town and and right. make it an emergency zone the the smoke screen will conceal the creature as well as push it away. Now, people don't understand the true terrain of America. Over a quarter of the landmass in America, the forests, the national parks, the, uh, the uh, big barren states are completely unoccupied and unexplored. There are uh, hundreds of, uh, there are actually millions of lakes around the world and there are hundreds of thousands of lakes in America. Many of these have never had a person set foot on them. And I know it's the same way in Canada, and I know it's the same way in Mexico, and the same way around the world. This, this is they'll, in Can I can say in Canada, absolutely. They'll push these creatures over there with wildfires, with carefully placed wildfires, Got and that's you. why people say, like, even though there's wildfires, unless you live in a community, say, like in like Colorado and the Rockies, which will always be a small community. The right. reason why this Russian one was the surprise is because this town had actually grown very large. It actually had a couple of thousand people. And like I said, they are first world people. They have cell phones. They recorded what was going on and there are photos and they have been suppressed because it's Russia. They have their own internet. Right. They have uh, KGB control over all media. Few of these got out on the deep web and the yes. creature was like a spider, like a giant walking stick. And it was, um, oh, I've it, seen it. I've seen that picture. I posted it on my Instagram. So I'm saying like the, the, the photos are coming out. The photos are uh, making them. The evidence is making itself known. People right. are getting hip to it. I think right. I might be the first person to really be talking about it, but uh, I'm not the first person to be thinking about it. There are, is a small, because it's so absurd and crazy. This is the job they've done. They've psyoped the shit out of it making Godzilla in the 1950s and yeah. just making tons of those fucking movies because like James Bond, if you actually start getting hip to it, you're like, this is fucking for real. 
And yeah. I know, like I say, James Bond's not for real. That's a power fantasy. It's real. That's the MI5, Ian Fleming was a real guy. Mm. That's saying, like, if he was really disclosing the MI5 Secret Service and this espionage world, that's saying, like, these movies are disclosure, not in the Yes, I get I get the fact that they're made they're cheesy and that's why they do it because now it becomes crazy. Well, it's because like, when you like, reference when you reference it from memory it becomes oh no, fuck that, no way, right? That's what people think. Be, people are like that's fuck no, exactly like no, scientists say that can't happen and thus scientists are and you're like see this is exactly what they do and they they've done this for generations so it becomes the thing where they've gaslighted everyone not to just simply see the truth like in the uh the ninja like in the Japanese know all of the reason why they made Godzilla is because they actually did see a creature that looked like Godzilla in Antarctica and the Pacific ocean. And it is like, I know it sounds fucking weird. They are like whales with arms and mm. like, like humanoid faces. Would you actually men- brother, brother, sorry. Would you at, would you have, sorry. Have you seen the film? Uh, I think it's called, underwater with Kristen Stewart um okay about how they 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 encountered some humanoid type or massive uh, beings and then it was an oil rig and then the way uh spoiler for anyone who hasn't seen it you you see at the end how they classify all the reports and boom it's all shut down exactly yes would you say that's a a very good description of the way things occur down there Yes. Um, uh, okay. So everyone always talks about the secret secrecy around UFOs and around the space program and around the Air Force and, and flying technology, right. Navy and industrial naval operations such as deep sea mining, oil rig operations are super top secret. And because they happen in international waters, it is extremely rare to get anyone to actually uh, fess up to it because um the whole world of the navy and maritime activity is secrecy and confidentiality and discretion and internal like secrets and knowledge like it's the navies are the oldest uh continuing societies and communities in the world hearkening back to like the philistine like viking era traditions and shit ancient like they have their traditions are hundreds of years old when you really see like who becomes a captain, who becomes an actual leader in the Navy or anything like a, a merchant mariner fleet in the cruise line industry, for example, who actually gets the, the power, who actually gets the job right. is the person who can keep fucking secrets. Well, that's it's like if I could say, who, yeah. if I could say very quickly, just to just to my audience for those listening and watching, it's very similar, guys, to the example I gave of that gentleman uh, by who went by the name of Victor in the late '90s, who came forward with a covered-up face in in an interview yep. with a tape of that gray alien being tortured, and he said that they pick scientists not for their skill, but for but how well they can keep a secret, which probably explains again, not to get off track, but the reason why so many more people, kids, are being abducted because they just need more test subjects. So so to speak right no absolutely and the, the, the scale of the project is growing and it will continually right. grow exponentially until it is more the majority of people who have been involved than people who haven't been involved now the idea of the navy though is that there's a lot of honor and a lot of community built like that way and so there's, there's a lot of like you know these things are known within the community sea monsters are known within the community that there is no shortage of sea monster sightings in the world Sea monsters are seen every year. Lake monsters are seen every year. Video evidence is being returned. High definition proof. 
this is no longer just the idea of stories. We have sonar returns. We have echolocations returns. That's how we're starting to piece together the reality of these situations. Mm. It's because, like you said, more civilians are being able to go with, because they have greater access to it. They're not inside these systems of internal secrecy. They're right. not inside the community of discretion. It's like right. if you are a Navy uh, captain or commander of a submarine, you are an elite member of society well within the upper, upper echelon 1%, you know, people. Yeah. You yeah. have a, a financial and equitable security that's considered a fortune by the common man. You have a lot to lose. You have, right. uh, it's like you have a lot of traditions to uphold. Right. And, and, and when they, when I say they can keep a secret about the kaiju, it's not only the kaiju, but about the hollow earth, the internal network of things. Um, they can they can keep their true uh, motives even secret from their crew. And so right. the captain can just say, no, we're just operating inside a war game. But really, he knows the truth. Yeah, that's he's, not that's not really that. That's not really unrealistic, especially, you know, even in the Red CIA. October. Uh, there you go. The CIA Remember the you know, captain was like. I'm yeah. really stealing this ship, but I'm going to lie to literally everybody. Well, that's like even in, in uh, Jason Bourne when they said, we want to know about the um, Treadstone project, Project Treadstone. And then their superiors were like, no idea what you're talking about. And then the underling says, cut the bullshit. And then they go, fuck, okay, fine. <laughs> you know? No, 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 exactly. No, the idea of uh, the men in black, I always laugh because it's like that. Did you ever flashy thing me? No. <laughs> Did you ever flash the thing, me, Jay? No. Tell me the truth. And he's like, no. He's, he's just lying to him. And he has exactly these people are picked because they can lie so well. Right. And it's the, the idea that they may have gatekeepers' remorse at the end of their life, but uh, exactly that's statistically very infrequent. So this is why we're not having commanders come out, but we are having, say, for example, uh, deep sea welders deep sea divers in the yeah. industrial sector and zone who are coming forward with their stories more and more because he's like more and more are they recruiting outwards no longer just navy uh deep sea diver officers going on the bottom of the ocean now brother i did i did want to ask because of the the, the the in the last you know 20 30 years the amount of contractors that uh, for many different purposes that have been going down there there's very few of them that come out as disgruntled contractors is that because they're just paid so well Exactly. They're paid so well, but, but more and more and more. And it's not disgruntled. They will say it out of pain of consciousness. And like I said, it's right, not like right. they're in a world where they're not followed. It's not like they're in a world where they're not uh, either, you know, dealt with. But see, as I say, it's not a disgruntlement because the, the culture compared to our society is extremely wealthy. Um, like, say, oil rigs, they make hundreds of millions of dollars a day. Holy crap. Uh, so when BP happened, that was uh, arguably because of one of these kaiju events, but they were able to cover it up even from the mainstream media. So it's not like an individual isn't already going up against the entire world. And when they do come out with information, it's generally over uh, the Internet. It's anonymous. And right. um, it's yeah. one of those things where it's just like, hey, I got to get this off my chest. I saw something that's giving me nightmares. This shit's yeah. real. It happened. And but. The clever thing that people do. Now, this is a, this is a real thing, and the intelligence world is create fictions, yeah, so that they can tell the truth safely. And this is a tradition that even very high-powered people use. For example, uh, 
the the actual people in charge of like the syndicates and the the intelligence networks will, will write novels they'll write books yeah there is actually a lot of precedence for this c lab type community for the actual science fiction aspect of underwater colonization in reality already as these intellectual properties mm-hmm. you know like and so have you ever wondered who writes or makes a video game? Uh, never thought about it, no. Exactly. It's a very prestigious thing. If you're talking about just the size and scale of the production efforts to make a property, which is going to be generated and given out basically to the masses. Right. And that you think about the elaborate amount of story writing and dialogue and acting and the direction. It's a mm. huge Herculean task. And it takes hundreds of people to get these studios together and to create the specialists to, to push the limits of technology. Absolutely. And, then you think, well, who could coordinate that? These elites, these higher powered brokers, these things, things like that. They're trying to tell the masses, but they do it within movies. For example, these last legendary monarch Godzilla films, entirely written in the sake of disclosure of this type of situation. It was funded by the U.S. Navy. The U.S. Navy is prevalent in all three movies. Um, exactly. Like they, no movie gets made in Hollywood with the military without approval of the script. Right. They get, the CIA controls uh, the writing networks, the writing writing unions, writing guilds, screenwriter guilds. Um, that's what I'm saying. Like these are hundred million dollar movies a piece. These were major Hollywood releases. Who do you think decided? You know what? Make the Navy help out Godzilla. Yeah, I see. Yeah, good. I see. Yes, it's it's kind of like. Uh, would you say it's the same idea of how um when Francis Ford Coppola wrote the first Godfather back in the day, the mob had a lot of power, so he actually had to run the script by the mob first before. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. They they okay. want the, the mob help make the, the mob make help make most mob movies. Right. It's yes. Because it paints yes. them in an extremely positive light. Right. And it's because it's exactly that. Like the people who actually make these movies are the ones involved with it. They're trying to tell you the story, but because they can create a fiction, then right. people can say, well, that's not real. But yes. everyone knows the roots of fiction are reality. And if you think about all the science fiction paperbacks that were written over the years, there are actual novel series based on these ocean level sea labs. There was even a uh, television show that was like Star Trek, but it was underwater in which they had a submarine and it was, they had like a dolphin that could talk. And it was oh, like, oh, yeah, I, I know what you're talking about. I forgot the name, though. But yes, that was like they, they really do over the years try to explain that this is going on. It's one of right. those things that it, it's an open secret. Like China, for example, is already proclaiming in their state run news that they are going to build a city underwater for underwater mining and that people will live or be born and will die in this underwater city, making it a full colony for the Chinese government. The fake islands they're creating are going to be where they supply, uh, directly supply it with basically an underwater train. Mm. This was already disclosed programs of engineering and technology that is like this is like building the floating airport in japan they can develop infrastructure uh, it's like no one bats an eye when they say an oil rig the same technology that can make an oil rig support itself and survive in the open ocean they could easily avoid all of the hostile environment stresses like the storms being on surface if they just went down 100 feet and were self-sustaining 
Wow. So every time you see one oil rig, imagine that there are multiple oil rigs underneath it. Right. And yes. they're developed around the same pylon system, but they're just self-sustaining. Now, the idea of, say, for example, an underwater city, you're immediately going to think Rapture from Bioshock. Yeah. Oh, Rapture, that's silly. That's exactly how they did it. And that's around the same time they started doing it, the 1960s. They mm. would literally prefabricate skyscrapers in Greenland, right? sail them out to the North Atlantic, and then sink them into place. Wow. They were self-sustaining skyscrapers, and they built a network of linking tunnels and, and uh, different ag code sets. And it was a failure because people go crazy. There's no night darker than the bottom of the ocean. Right. There is no night darker. There is no darker darkness in the bottom of the ocean. Hydro, uh, hydro uh, psychosis are, are basically underwater madness, cabin fever, things like that. People, We learned our lessons, but people have gotten a lot better and the, it's actually easier to support people in the ISS than it is to actually keep long-term colonization going on on the bottom of the ocean. That's what keeps its numbers low. Mm. But the technology is sound, and we're getting better at it every day. Wow. To the point that the technology that they actually dis- – like, see, the movie The Abyss came out in 1993. Right. James Cameron is an insider when it comes to this. He was given the actual script by Navy personnel. It's about – uh, Navy uh, salvage divers basically going down to one of these full-time underwater bases that the U.S. Navy really had that was dotted the Atlantic and Pacific. Right. Upon going down to the abyss, they discover intelligent life that's especially adapted to the underwater world. Marine terrestrials, right? Mm. Who basically proclaim they can end the world anytime they want. The reason why they don't is because they're cohabitating with us, right? As equals. And they value life. And they even make like a tsunami kind of come and stop because they control water at a different level. Their technology is just well, that's similar. That's similar to the Lake Baikal incident where the soldiers were reported exactly. being massively pushed back by a, just a wave of a couple of them died and some of them were severely injured, I think. Yep. I, I don't don't uh, misinterpret me by saying that everything that I'm talking about is United States. Russians have equal numbers of people, if not more gotcha. down there. Um, exactly. They, they actually have just the the will to do it. They'll send more people into hazardous zones than Americans will. So there's more Russians who have actually lived on the bottom of the ocean and experienced these things uh, as as equally as us. So we're working together, but the Soviet Union has done a lot of this already. Um, so has England. So has uh, Germany. So has uh, you know various South American powers. It's right. uh, it's it's like international effort to basically start exploring and populating the frontier of the bottom of the ocean mm. why because the secret space program uses ocean installations to keep its personnel and to maintain its fleets right. this is where it all connects to the secret space program because you're like well they're just down there harvesting oil uh you know drilling for oil uh harvesting you know the the minerals that you find on the bed just as they would anywhere you know what's so spooky about that what's so secret space program about that the secret space program because it's run by the united states navy and the technology allows for it is able to use the ocean itself as the landing facilities, the landing area for the solar wardens program, as well as the maintenance facilities for the solar wind program. There are very few places in the continental United States where the solar warden craft ever even fly. Most of it's done in the Pacific Ocean. Most of it's done in the South Atlantic. I was actually going to say, brother, th- th- this explains all those photographs. 
Yeah, a Solar Warden ship is coming back to Earth. It will land in the South Atlantic in a neutral area because it's international and has no real, like, you know, stress when it comes to that. But they will keep that ship either floating, like, in dry dock or in facilities that are, are floating themselves. Um, the Osaka Airport, for example, is a great uh, idea of the technology and engineering they use where they build an airstrip and an accompanying airport literally floating like an island. And then the solar warden ships just come basically come down. Uh, they either can be hidden underwater because like the, the holes can support it. And the water is like I said, in the um, South Pacific around Fiji, the water is crystal blue and it's very shallow. And you literally, if you saw satellite photos of it, it looks like there are just these spaceships parked on the beach. Right. And, and right. islands like Diego Garcia in the Indian Ocean. Uh, the the Chinese are making those artificial islands. Uh, Japan has a lot of those islands off Osaka, mm. where it's just these tropical paradises. But they facilitate the maintenance and engineering and and production of spaceships. Right. Yes. Like I said, the, the shipyard is not like in Newport News, Virginia. It's right. in it's in like Fiji, and this is odd because people don't realize there is so much international freighter traffic in the oceans. That from Singapore being a nexus and a hub, they mm. can send literally hundreds of thousands of tons of raw material to, say, Indonesia off an island in Jakarta, you know, and then have Indonesian labor owned by a private company. Right. And yes, they're basically treated like slaves, and they're exactly they don't know them to speak English. So what are they going to like? Who are they going to tell? Yeah. You know, and yes, it's like I guess. Well, well, here's the here's the thing too. Who who the hell will believe them if they even go exactly. around? Yeah, exactly. You're just some you literally were a villager. They told how to turn a wrench and you were there like on a factory line, like helping And most of it's robotic. Anyway, you're just literally helping, you know, helping out in your menial capacity. But this is how they get their boots. It, it, ma so it makes you think, sorry, brother, it, ma it makes you think all the sightings that are seen above land just within North America alone. It, it, you know, it, that must be nothing. And there's hundreds of thousands every month, but there must that must be nothing compared to what's going on above the water or below the water. Oh, yeah. Sorry. That's what I'm saying. Like, um, no, America is actually one of the weird places where they don't let just UFOs fly around, even though they do. Yeah. They don't let Solar Warden and use its ships and the terrestrial made equipment because it would be more easily identifiable by people to say that's a government ship. That's a human made spaceship. Yeah. The ships that we make actually do instinctively look very uh, identifiable. They look like flying submarines, flying aircraft carriers. Um, the, the Avengers, if you've ever seen the Avengers with the flying aircraft carrier, you immediately would recognize the Solar Warden ship. There's You'd a lot like, of UFO craft, a lot of UFO footage, excuse me, that I've seen that it looks like it's been man-made. The cigar shape, the cigar yeah. shape craft, that's ours. It's called an Andromeda Gilt uh, Drive. It basically is like a UFO mothership. It's an early version of that. It's, like, it's Zeppelin combined with, um, you know, space age technology. Mm. In, in many ways where it's this giant semi-hollow structure that reduces right. the so, and weight but allows just to, for a lot of operating capacity right so just to clarify so when people say in general oh you know if there was a secret space program how come we don't see way more of the motherships it's one of two things the, the certain motherships i from my understanding cannot enter uh, any planet's orbit and the ones that can go underwater is what you're saying Yes, yes. And this okay. is where I said we can talk about UFOs now and like the different kinds of designs and engines that you're seeing. Yes. The O'Neill cylinders cannot make orbital travel. They cannot operate within our atmosphere. They can, 
but it takes a lot of energy and they don't really like doing it unless they have to actually come down for maintenance. Are, sorry, brother. Are these the images uh, that we've seen that have leaked on the deep web of uh, you can see it in sort of, uh, I forgot. I think it was images from NASA that leaked in space. It, it, it So it's like a ball on one end and the rest is a yeah. very thin stick. Yes. That, that's okay. called an O'Neill filter. The ball on one end is actually a palladium and I believe chromium uh, uh, sphere that's filled with fuel. And that they okay. basically, you know, exactly. And they, the internal idea is hollow and it basically spins on itself to create artificial gravity. Yes. And when, yes. Yeah, and, and, and inside they keep their storage, which is these different ships. And that's why you always see these, these cigar ships actually dropping out spaceships, like little, like, uh, yes. like, you know, they're always coming out of them. Those are your mother ships. Well, and whenever you see them, they're actually quite large. Whenever you see them, they're actually very, very high up in orbit. Um, now, the thing with the gravity is that Earth's orbit actually now technically extends past the moon. Earth's okay. orbit is like 400,000 kilometers, right? Holy shit. And, exactly. And so the higher orbit they are, the less they are actually pulled to the Earth's gravity. Like I said, gotcha. gravity is more like a magnetic force. Gotcha. So they can't really come down too low unless they are actually going to land. So right? it is it is technically they, possible for the mothership to land, but it's just a pain in the ass. It's not worth it for them. It's a pain in the fucking ass. Exactly. And these larger ships, these super ships, um, they really push exactly the scale of things like the Phoenix lights. The right. Phoenix light was an emergency landing from one of these ships that's actually designed like a flying V. And oh, yes. uh, they have a different yeah. design. The, but the idea of it being a yeah. multi, like a multi-kilometer long arrangement of lights in ship, it's a huge structure. Where the Arizona, down, the Arizona lights, right? Yes, the Arizona Phoenix yeah. lights of 1997. When it was coming down, it had to make an emergency landing, right? The only airport around around the time was going to be Albuquerque, New Mexico. Right. And then Douglas, uh, the right, the right Patterson Air Force Base. Right. Right. So it had it, and when these original planes were made in the uh, 60s, Phoenix, Arizona was not that large. Gotcha. So right. its emergency plan was to land. And this one runaway in the middle of the desert while right. a million people strong city had developed while it was in orbit. Uh, and so when it came back down, they just had to bite the bullet and it doesn't really maneuver very well. It doesn't turn on a dime, but right. like I said, it has enough power not to like immediately fall like a stone. It's, a, it's an anti-gravitation craft after all, but, exactly it, but it's a totally to different, it's a totally different propulsion system. Correct. Yes, that's exactly. It's all electrogravitics. It's all flux drive, torsion fields. It's all like uh, controlling um, gravity wells and basically like the convocation engines where you're creating a lack of gravity around you. So you're basically being pulled up and out all the time. Like have, say, you so ever, not, have you ever been on one of them from what you can recall or no? Yes, yes. Solar Warden actually had a lot of it was an experience of a lot of carriers. And uh, larger carrier craft. Uh, when we were operating in the hollow earth, we used the smaller operational craft because, like I said, the, these larger operational crafts have a lot of difficulty flying within Earth's atmosphere or within Earth's magnetic pull. And by that, I mean the scale of a large O'Neill cylinder, a large aircraft carrier, and solar warden outside the planet is measured in kilometers, right? And that's how the ships are designated as how many kilometers you know, like long they are or how much, you know, vo volume they really have. Right. Because like, uh, you know, the, the, the actual weight, the super heavies, you know, the things like that are can range into the, uh, you know, millions of tons 
So it's, it's hard to operate the anti-gravity power, the fields or engines on Earth because, you know, they weigh so much. They just are so fucking big. Um, the smaller aircraft carriers are comparable to real aircraft carriers, if not real amphibious landing craft that gotcha. are uh, landing ships that are the smaller aircraft carriers, helicopter carriers that people would know about if they saw them on the Earth. Like if they saw them and they knew the knowledge of warships, their, their scale is between a full-sized aircraft carrier uh, like the Carl Vincent or the JFK and then a aircraft carrier, a helicopter carrier, marine uh, lander like the Bataan or the, um, uh, I, I'm spacing on another name for, for one of those marine aircraft carriers. They're used by the Marine Corps and they're tiny aircraft carriers. They're stubby. Um, they're stubby. I, know what you, I know what you're talking about. I, shit. It's, they're helicopter carriers. They only really carry helicopters. Oh, helicarriers? Yeah, they, they carry Ospreys. They carry short is interdiction. Where you say aircraft carrier might have an operational range of like fourteen thousand kilometers. Right. Uh, a short, a shorter one may only have the proximity of like a hundred, maybe four hundred kilometers. Gotcha. Like an aircraft carrier has a, a crew of like five thousand. A uh, marine uh, helicopter carrier may have a crew of a thousand. I understand. Okay, I it, see. It's significantly yeah. smaller, but at the same time, it looks exactly like the same. And it operates exactly the same. Now, when we're in hollow earth operating in these cavities and these caverns, a lot of these uh, ships were drone carriers, and but they also carried, you know, the the array of different aircraft that you would also pilot and and keep. I was not a pilot of the smaller craft. I was just an aviation um, electrician. That right. worked on these larger ships, and I also have experience on the uh, habitat ships, the base, the actual space stations, the the floating bases that we have, as well as Ashtar High Command and uh, Orion or Orion Draco Dark Fleet, mostly Dark Fleet. I have very little experience with Orion Draco. They're actual ships. I have seen them. I knew the the intel on them, but I actually have, have only been aboard. Uh, one in simulation and that was the recovered one then it was just basically to, to see what it was like you know as a field trip almost uh, uh, like yeah. that was, it wasn't an, it was a, it was actually a virtual reality simulation of what they were like on the inside just so that we could understand the, what we were dealing with i am still right. actually completely uh amazed by orion draco ship design and technology even though i know a lot about them i know they're different classes i know they're their strategies and also another unique shape and configuration and style and culture that goes around uh, their ship construction and uh, piloting it, the crewing of it, as well as their species. Um, but I have been on Astra High Command uh, crystal ships, their colony ships. Uh, I have been on uh, their smaller interdictory ships, their interceptors, their fighters uh, as a passenger, as well as a crewmate on the Solar Warden uh, carrier ships, and as well as their space stations. Um, you know, logistics. What does ship, it? What, uh, what does it? What does it look like inside these craft? Is it um, human-looking because humans have designed, partly designed some of them, or like when you walk onto these craft, what do you, what do you see? Is it sort of like a very gray, sort of uh, benign color, like Bob Lazar would describe? Uh, that the or is it? There's more design to it, and like, is it? Does it look like a metal in the interior? Is it? Uh, do you feel like holy shit, walking in like? This is something different or it's kind of like, nah, no, not too big of a deal. Well, Bob Lazar saw a gray 
ship that he called the sports model. That was a gray ship. And the grays are different because they have a different aesthetic. They don't really have any personality or things that I know. Oh, a solo yeah. working ship looks completely different than a gray ship, even though it uses like, you know, uh, advanced technology and materials. It looks extreme. Like you would instinctively know it's human design because it's com- it's it's made for humans. Like the 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 idea of our comfort and our survival and our under like you know ability to navigate it. So internally, like hallways, uh, gangways, um, uh, everything like you would be conventional galleys. You know, they all look the same. Um, yeah. Heads, toilets, all look the same. But you so know, if, obviously, if, extremely advanced levels of of quality, like very high quality very um polished it wasn't dingy it wasn't dusty it wasn't damp it wasn't like you know a creaking rust bucket it was like made of plastics very sterile uh the best representation of it i think a lot of sci-fi movies really hit the nail on the head it's it's very much your stereotypical internal government or quote-unquote good guy spaceship sized it's not like star wars where things are just kind of falling off and everything is dusty but like um, Star, Star Trek, the, the, the very clean interior, yeah, very, very much like everyone cleans it every day. Yeah. Everyone's very much like comfortable and they're invited. The chairs are, are very nice and ergonomic. You know, like there is no one that is not like things are sparked. Like, you know, you have to like be in an uncomfortable like there's air conditioning. So let me let me let me ask you, let me ask you, Mike, if you if if I went to sleep tonight and you took me and dropped me onto the inside of one of these ships and then I woke up in that ship and you you weren't there, you just left me there. Would I wake up and go, ah, like, where am I or would I be like, okay, this is something else? You would you would immediately know it was different, but it would be a trip because you would be now inside a ship. And yeah, everything is kind of compartmentalized. So you'd have to find, say, for example, you no, know, there's signs telling you where to go. Right. Um, you, you might be kind of alarmed because, like, say, for example, there's lines on the floor, there's right. painted lines on the floor. And that's so different levels of personnel know where they're going. And there's different yeah. things like unspoken, like symbols and signs that are unique to the like the uh, solar warden because it's new it's a it's a space vessel it's a it's a it's a multi-environmental vessel but it is a vessel so for example different cautionary flags different striping patterns different color patterns they all right. mean significant things. And unless you were indoctrinated and trained just for the sheer minutiae of it you might be a little lost and disoriented but it's not eight or up is down, down is up, chaos reigns. No, like, uh, right. The, the the joke though is absolutely true in Demolition Man, where when he goes to use the bathroom, there's three seashells and he doesn't know how to use them. Yeah, yeah. There are things like that, like the 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 everyday person, the layman, may actually have trouble adjusting to the fact of like automated bathrooms. Like just like ever, you've never used like one of those automated toilets when you get but up and it is... flushes and you're like, like you know, you're you kind of yeah, speak out like, oh, yeah, I didn't know. <laughs> like, you know, when you walk in, lights turn on, uh, right. you, everything's like powered by Siri. So if you so if you woke up and you were like, what's going on? And a voice was like, oh, hello, you were delivered here. Like what's today is this, right. you know, and th- right now the time is this, and you're like, what's what, what's going on? Where am I? You would, were on would, board. would an example like, a good example of an interior also be, for example, what you see on either the interior of the ship on Prometheus or the interior of the ship on Passengers? Um, I would say Passengers is more accurate. It's very brightly lit. It's not dark or, or gothic at all. So it's not a vent horizon. It's not. Uh, I mean, yes, derelict ships can be very frightening uh, mm. because the, uh, like a derelict like a ghost ship. But yeah, anything can be scary if the power is off and everyone's dead inside. 
um you know but no like it's it's if it's operating very well it's like more like a cruise ship it's right. more like meant for to keep people sane and, and productive and happy and a happy person's more productive so it's more uh, uh, kind of you know um uh optimistic looking than it is a more of like a steampunk cyber gothic like nihilistic yeah. like no one even gives a shit they're just in space and everyone's dirty and like you know yeah. unshaven and like bitching uh, the icc is more like that where okay. their shit is more uh neglected and their crews are extremely disgruntled because of different existential neglects and things like that. And, ICC uh, standing for interplanetary cor- corporate conglomerate. conglomerate. Okay. And exactly like a lot of it is because of their own um, uncaring authorities, their own mm. uncaring uh, fleet support, but that's not solar warden. Solar warden is a military uh, conjuncture effort, independent effort, but it's in uh, alliance with Ashtar. So it's a lot of, it's trying its best. And right. that's like you really get a feel for it inside these things. Uh, Stanley Kubrick's uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey is very, very good. Where that was like the early days. Like that was like the 50s, 60s era models. And those ships still exist. Those right. ships are still, you, you, I was stationed on a ship that was built in 1974. Wow. It was older than my mother. Wow. That's what I'm Holy saying. So like, you, you really think about it, uh, you know, like, that's what i'm saying like you're on a ship and so the style is always a little weird but it's also always a little bit advanced so yes you're on a ship that kind of has like a jetson futuristic vibe to it Mm. like like a star trek vibe to it where it's like very much like swinging 60s future but there it is also extremely updated and and far more advanced than uh say for example a conventional ship it's not just you're in a you're in like a, a, a rust bucket you're and there's other, in. there are other aliens, other species on there too. I would imagine. Um, Solar Warden is is mostly human, so most okay. ships only have a human crew. Now there are ships with mixed species crew, and they are there as advisors. But Solar Warden is almost entirely run by humans for humans, you know, and and right. so it's kind of like a foreign nation's navy may have foreign personnel in their bases taking classes, being taught, cross-taught. Well, I was in a foreign exchange program with the Astro High Command. The Astro High Command have more extraterrestrials on their ships proportionally, mm. just living, just, just right. cohabitating, living and existing than we have actually even working on our ships. It's not like Star Trek, or it is very much like Star Trek in that case where it's like, yes, you might get your warp. You might get a one alien kind of on there and yeah. your space stations have more of them. So your Voyager, your Deep Space Nine, That'll, that'll be where you meet your extraterrestrials. Your space station is kind of where you have your best chance of seeing one. They right. generally don't, don't hang out in your general population. It, we're not at the level yet where you got, you're at a bar and you're like shooting the shit with some, yeah. you know, alien from another moon. And you're like, oh, what's it like being one of you? And you're like the Star Wars thing where you go in the, cantan- the cantina and everyone's just like hanging out and partying. No, it would, I, would, I would envision it to be sort of like, uh, for example, um, in Star Wars, when you have the extremely uh, authoritative, superior, very calm, respectful, but you know they're in charge, like the, the master Jedi aliens. They come, they give their advice, and they go back to their, their chambers or their quarters of the ship, and they just do their A own thing. A lot of it is different. Like uh, sometimes the the Ashtar will send their young pilots, their young cadets over to our ships so that we they can kind of see and they can grow as well when they're right. aged and the authorities do come. 
it's one of those things where it's more of like a formal thing. Like they're talking about business. They're going to uh, do something important, right? Right. Same thing with the Orion Draco. Orion Draco only send their diplomats unless you work for the embassy, the Atlantis Rising government, or some kind of like in between. You right. have really no business ever communicating with. That's what I'm saying. Like you really have no business to. And that thus, remember, it's all need to know. You don't have freedom of motion. You don't have freedom of movement. Mm. And it's like sometimes if you're lucky, you might see one at a distance. You might be in the same company of them or right. you might be assigned to a duty where that's just, you know, your luck. Like if you a lot of yeomen, a lot of paperwork guys, a lot of intelligence officers. Uh, like I said, I was in kind of uh, intelligence for a little while involved with the aircraft and maintenance. So I was able to talk to a lot of engineers, right. uh, talk to a lot of uh, technicians and other races. Mm. That was extremely fortunate in my aspect, but that was really the only chance I had to contact other extraterrestrials was in an engineering capacity. We're talking specs, talking the trade and everything that I communicated with them was relatively involved with that it wasn't like asking them if they had like a sweetheart back home i mean if we did yeah. have casual conversations and we really did kind of form friendships in certain cases now weirdly enough those cases were not with the major species the major species right. exactly are more business they're more like like let's let's get our shit done and then we're out of here Exactly. When the Ashtar was taught when i was cross-examining with the Ashtar, you also got to think the age is extremely young for me because I started at nine and the oldest I ever was in any one of these timelines was 29. Okay. I'm 34 right now. So I was younger, even at the oldest point than I was back then. He's like, so ever. So at some point, a lot of this was in my teenage years. And if you're 15 and have been working in the secret space program in an alternate timeline for the last six years, uh, and you have already been indoctrinated enough, you don't, you don't have those origins yourself. I didn't have, um any attachment to life outside of the program right so my, right. my mind like you said like the aliens are no we're gonna get our shit done and get no you're like that like the, human beings are like that human beings are very much like uh the militaristic kind of fascist assholes in this situation no you're right like the star wars thing you were like we're like you yeah. know like status report like you know like it's very yes. much like yeah, yeah. we are we are a naval military force in the solar war so that is an actual thing like you are walking around in a uniform you're hoping to become a pilot or be in the action uh you're hoping to do your duty whatever that is exactly you're very much like starship troopers in that mindset where even when you are talking to an alien you're like you know like like i i know yeah. the score like you're not going to get to me yeah, like, you know, like yeah don't trick me with your bullshit like we're no and then we were we were military uh aviation electricians but we had to understand and know the different technologies that were being used on these airframes and uh you know apply them to ours as well as their their methodology their um you know their tribal knowledge their species knowledge when it came to being a technician because right. exactly, ultimately they're going to integrate these forces but human beings are deemed to kind of work solo we do our best work when we're not when we're very much uh it's based on our own paranoia right we really don't function very well if we have to kind of run things by a species that's not human so they want to keep us as different human pockets uh yetis for example sasquatch yes. they're involved with earth alliance too you we encounter them they are on our side they have their own ships they have their own fleets because they're just a little bit too different than us culturally that we just don't really work well together and there's a lot of stubbornness and butting heads and failure to communicate and things mm. like that culturally it's just too shocking right. now this is weird because ships are actually are separated by nationality sometimes and even though we all have universal translators, they will keep, for example, the Indians on their own ship. 
They huh. will keep the Chinese on their own ship. They will keep uh, African crews on their own ships. And wow. it's really just because exactly that the culture of the Navy is to keep everyone as uniform as possible. So yes. that my ship and my crew were all mainly Americans, all mainly people who all look the same. Uh, exactly. So it's one of these where if I want to say generalities, like everyone in the Solar Warden had was brunette and had hazel eyes and had olive skin and was athletic and, you know, you know, very, very extrovert and, and you know, like intense. That's just because the ship I was on was an experiment where that crew was all selected for our similarities. Oh, wow. You know, and it's kind of one of the things because you put them all together and human beings. Right. All are tribalistic and xenophobic because of the Orion Drake and uh, Draco engineering that if we all look the same and act the same, we're like, hey, looking good, buddy. Hey, it's not a, it's not intentional, but that's just how human beings Do you are. You think we'll ever break free from that or no? In generations, it's just got to be, you know, bred out of us. Like I said, everything changes. And, and it's just one of those things where because people can't change within their own lifetimes, usually. And if people could change within their lifetimes, it would make it extremely fast. The end right. goal is to change that. The end goal is to have the new world order, the trans species world, right. uh, where everyone can basically just get it like your neighbor's a, a Ryan Draco refugee. Right. Uh, you know, like your boss is a gray yeah, like they, yeah, yeah, they want that to kind of happen, but at the same time, it's going to take a lot of work. And they say, well, they want it done within a few centuries. So it's going to be like a multi-level thing where they got to affect us culturally, entertainment-wise, uh, get us up to date with the truth of our world, and then also get us philosophically caught up, like say issues of religion. We're not even talking about spirituality. We're not even talking about culture uh, that way. There was a uh, movie called Enemy Mine where it's uh, a, a crashed uh, pilot. It was an Orion Draco. It's clearly an Orion Draco pilot and they're enemies, but they have to live together as uh, as basically castaways on this asteroid. Mm. And, you know, and it's like the guy's like, uh, he says something and the guy's like, who said that? And he goes like Mickey Mouse. And the guy's like Mickey Mouse. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah, guy, yeah. Like, you don't even understand like how what you think is normal is to them like they don't know anything about your upbringing or your culture your orientation or your your individual your identity right so even so just to get that kind of you know all on the same page that's 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 what the astro high command are trying to do and that's why you have things like the orion drake uh, the not who doesn't participate with the solar ward and is not really involved with the earth that way but is actually operating as an independent rogue uh human empire in the in, in space off planet like they're allowed to do that because mm. that's still a part of humanity and that's still part of the bigger picture like the humans they can't they can't, can't push aside one set of you're trying to say you can't push aside one set of humans and say to the rest of them hey welcome yeah they're, they're, they have to kind of bring everyone together and so the dilemma is with the not often not really wanting to be together they want to be independent and they're seizing the power the the, the technology that allows them Right. And their deal was, yeah, we won't, we won't like invade and take over Earth, so don't worry about that, right? We will never hurt another human being, but we're going like wage war against other species, and they're very, very xenophobic. They're very military. They're very fascist and aggressive, and mm. they use what you would consider forbidden technologies, taboo technologies, to commit taboo uh, ends. And uh, they said they're a total opposite of Solar Warden, uh, ethically and ideologically. Now, unless they actually attacked us, 
the yeah. Ashtar High Command has no um, no authority to, to attack them or to 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 be violent towards them. So they have to kind of continue to negotiate and constantly yes. urge and, and battle them on like a philosophical level, like where it's a political ideological level. Now, in that weird way, there is a peace on Earth when it comes to um, like you know, there's not. Like if anyone outwardly attacked us, we would then attack them back. But it's more of an ideological battleground. Yeah, it's I see what like, you're who's saying. Who's going to have influence here? And so Orion Draco are actually attacking the Earth with frequencies, and they they like, they can convert, uh, they can keep us down. They can slow the progress of the Astra High Command, making their job exponentially more difficult. Got you know, you. They can keep confusing us and making us paranoid. And in many ways, every human being is victim or suffering these attacks because they're sending these beacons out yes. across the universe. Right now, the whole thing is, is that you know we are trying to actually get further and further capa- uh, capabilities of going further and further out. Right. And uh, okay, so when you really consider this, you have it's like it's the defensive thing where they're trying to defend the earth and trying to kind of like defend our frontier and our stake in it they're also trying right. to defend the real populations of the earth right now this is paradoxical uh, paradoxical because like i said they wanted to make, create disclosure and the things they are doing are protecting the everyday person from knowing what's going on right yes i see what but you're saying say, like, paradoxical where it's like yes everything the solar warden is doing is to try to keep itself secret Mm. and yes everything that the Ashtar high command are doing is try to get us at the level where we'll understand it like i say it's very paradoxical where gotcha. it's like the military is seeking to create a society of intelligent enough people so that they can disclose the information that they've been keeping top secret and classified from these very same people for generations got you Bro- brother i'm really sorry to cut you off but we're hitting the two-hour oh, mark and mark. i I got a, I got an appointment. I got to run to, um, can you, no please, problem, exactly. I, I'd like to thank you so much again for, for coming on, but could you please tell everyone where they could find you, how they could reach you, um, and all that. And I just want to say, before you uh, say anything, uh, to the audience, um, rumors of instinct, you, you can message this guy, man, and he'll very gladly answer you for him. It's all about the knowledge, which is why I, I really respect that. So please tell everybody where they could find you. No problem. Absolutely. Um, the Rumors of Instinct podcast is my project right now. Uh, I create a lot of digital media, so I'm creating art. I'm creating uh, like different methods of communicating this message. And um, I'm always open to collaborations. And I have my own podcast, which is like that I offer interviews, uh, special guest things. Uh, but I also cover topics in the Secret Space Program solo a lot. And every effort I do is to kind of explain this truth. Mm. So while the efforts are different in various, like I said, I, I'm making art, Instagram, um, I, I upload daily these images, little proofs, little pieces of evidence, things, you know, I, I kind of like yep. leave. It's all towards the goal of disclosure. It's all towards the goal of this, this truth, the secret space program truth uh, in trying to perfect the message, trying to grow the, the community, grow, trying to kind of bring it forward. And, uh, you know, I have actually a lot of exclusive insider sources I also have my own personal experiences and um, I'm able to kind of like investigate journalists a lot in a very uh, effective way. So if you want to check out what I have to offer, the Rumors of Instinct podcast has 90 plus episodes. This will be 91. Um, I have 300 plus videos on YouTube. 
check out the archives by checking out the playlists and uh, the different uh, levels of playlists and secret space program videos all are there as well as if you want to say one contact me dm me my email is all there the link tree is all on the instagram so you can find my different social media accounts different projects um, like i said the information is always going to be forthcoming i'm going to be constantly working on it from here on out i will be you know for example writing uh books and 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 offering packages of that information documentaries full length you know like a documentaries two hour long plus conversations all the subjects and so I'm always going to be trying to working to uh, bring the information out in easier and more understandable formats, more entertaining formats, more accessible formats for the everyday person. I know this is a lot of information. I know it's like a huge uh, download and it blows people's minds that any of this is possible. But I will always try my best to try to explain it the, the way I think is easiest for you to understand. And you can find that exclusively on the Rumors of Instinct podcast. Uh, you can find that information uh, like Gen Z is is creating on his channel, which I absolutely appreciate and, and absolutely always watch myself. He's saying some good shit. Exactly. And this is why I'm kind of choosing to always uh, kind of give you priority and, and talking about this information first. And I appreciate so, that so, so much, man. Absolutely. It's a mutual appreciation. It's a mutual respect. And like I said, this information that I'm bringing to Gen Z, you can find on my channel. You can find through my efforts. But uh, he's like always, uh, you know, I appreciate the synergies and I appreciate the crossover of audience and everything. So I absolutely appreciate you having me on. Thank you very much. Like Thank said, you so much, brother. Retired. We'll talk soon. Cheers. Thank you very much. God bless you. Cheers, man.